Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by OnX Hunt. We are recording this episode from a pretty cool place. I'm sitting here with Brad, and as we alluded to, I think it was, I don't know, two or three episodes ago, we spoke about having a new deer spot, not not being at Kudzu anymore. Yep, and, and you and I are sitting in our new camp right now, and starting to work on things, get ready for the season, and we've actually, for October, people... Mississippi folks listen to this. I mean, we have had one of the prettiest first weeks of October mm-hmm. that I can remember. I mean, it's been upper 40s, low 50s nights, um, 78 to 82 in a day. That's kind of unheard of for us. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, – what was odd is I was, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. He had just gotten back from – I think it was Spain. And I was like, what was the weather? And he was like, well, the weather was lovely, but – honestly the weather was just like it is here right now and i'm like well you don't hear that very often <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I, I a lot of my buddies we hadn't hunted yet we've been still kind of in the process of moving mm-hmm. stuff from kudzu and getting things set up here it's, it's so so dry um we got the place in pretty good shape we hadn't planted our food plots yet that's mm-hmm. kind of the next thing on the you know top of the list for us to complete i like it the thing that i've i've that's been kind of i guess enticing to me and you'll I, I think you'll you'll get this line of thinking probably better than I do, but it was the thing about the whole move from Cottonmouth and then move to Kudzu and then move to here is it kind of gives like I've, I've always felt like the Primo's content that we put out was relatable, but this is just a even more like this is such a relatable thing to folks mm-hmm. to to the common hunter, especially um, not so much the West because it's so much more bigger open uh, plots of public land where here I think like like 90 something percent is private and having to move leases or move camps that's a such a common instance that that folks have to figure out and do and it's a new challenge and that i've i've enjoyed that part of it ever since the kudzu move initially Mm -hmm. and you know and and like i said that kudzu was a lease of ours that primos had and then you know the it ended up selling Mm -hmm. so you know we had to move from there which i know a lot of people listening to this have had to deal with that before which is yeah. part of you know if you don't own it and you lease it the owner has a right to yeah you don't never know what's gonna happen i had a friend that happened to last deer season he was scrambling because they found out his the camp he was in was selling and it was like two months before season started mm-hmm. and this guy is like i mean whitetail is like his main thing you know that's what he loves to do and he's like dude i don't know what i'm gonna do like yeah head to the national forest man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's i hate that for people to have to go through that and we i mean we're dealing with it firsthand but the new place we got we hadn't really named it yet um other than new place <laughs> so that's far, what so. i was thinking i was like i wonder if like we could give it time to maybe let it name itself i don't know but yeah it don't have a name those are always to me the best names if they just they just happen they just kind of happen yeah some somebody does something something you see something I mean, you know, over the years, Primo's had Rattlesnake. That was one of Will's first camps. And then we had Cottonmouth. Um, I guess we can call this Copperhead. I don't know. Copper- <laughs> Cottonmouth, Copperhead. <laughs> Everyone was like, where'd you get the name Kudzu Bluff? I'm like, well, that place really did kind of name itself. Because a whole lot of Kudzu and a whole lot of Bluff. Yeah, around the edge of the Mississippi Delta. We had, mm-hmm. a, we had a great time there at a fun camp. And had some, you know, the hunting is different from the river. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, we're more, that's more hills there on the edge of the Delta. This is kind of on the edge of Hines and Claiborne County and it's not really hills but it's got a little roll to it it's yeah. mainly flat yeah it's not yeah. straight flat land but it's definitely flatter than kudzu yes for sure um but anyway we, yeah we'll just keep rocking along next 
month or so and see if we can come up with a name on see its what own happens. or somebody might give us some suggestions. Mm-hmm. What did you, uh, I mean, your, your new place, I know you've been excited about that and working on that. Did you, uh, Morgan had some success, didn't she? Yeah, she, um, she shot her, you know, she'll go bow hunting. She loves to go every year as long as it's a nice day. She just, yeah. she don't care about getting up in the tree and it's 90 degrees. Well, and I get that. Mosquitoes, yeah. none, none of us do. Yeah. But she went the first afternoon, um, shot her bow some, you know, up right prior to season and was shooting pretty good and, well, actually really good. You know, she, she shot enough to get back, get back into her rhythm, but yeah. it ain't like she shoots like a lot of us, you know, every yeah. month, all yeah. year. Um, anyway, so Sam my soon-to-be son-in-law her fiance i guess me and him went put her up a stand and then mm-hmm. he went with her that afternoon and she, she wasn't there 30 minutes and i get a text slick head down <laughs> <laughs> so she was excited and then sam went yesterday afternoon and um trying to had a doe and a spotted phone come out because he didn't shoot the right. the doe with the, that baby that little mm-hmm. and then the rest he saw was like four or five bucks and yeah a couple pretty nice bucks too and and it's not old enough to shoot yet but he was excited about that yeah. so well, that's what you were telling me he was like sam's trying to kill a doe he can't get away from a buck <laughs> yeah. yeah so i'm excited about our place we got i think we got one more year there to have it you know get the mm-hmm. age classes like we want it but this place here where we're hunting now the new place it's um the guy that hunted it it was really him and his family and that was it yeah so they were really picky on their deer harvest um you know, they didn't shoot any young deer and they, they would try to get them to five and six years old so uh, i think we'll be pretty pleased with the quality and the quantity of deer here mm-hmm. you know time will tell but it from everything i know about it based on the past and the guy that owned it he was real helpful you know he just he just lived so far from here is, yeah. is why he decided to let it go mm-hmm. and um and like almost a three-hour drive for him Whew. so yeah. yeah i don't blame him <laughs> i think the biggest he killed here was in the you know 162 or three is I think one of his daughters killed. So, Shoot. but you know, this part of Hines County and in Claiborne County area has always been known for yeah. big deer. You know, you got the big black not far from here. You got, you know, from Edwards down through, you know, the big black through Warren County, and there's always somebody shooting a yeah. 160 inch deer in this part of the world. That's every what it, year. it's funny because you know, folks, you know, you start talking about big deer in Mississippi, and if you start hearing a big deer story, it's like more often than not if you get enough information it's like either the mississippi river the delta or the big black river come up in the conversation somewhere yeah even if you're not right on it if you're close to it it's just still <laughs> just i guess just those river bottoms are so rich in what they produce and the deer get back out of them that's mm-hmm. that's that's the top of the charts in most cases yeah did you did you know anyone that um participated in the velvet season we didn't get to because we were elk hunting yeah um i know several guys uh, uh one of my neighbors shot a really nice buck um actually i saw quite a few i got quite a few pictures i was really surprised we had yeah. good weather that weekend mm-hmm. and and they did really well yeah and I, I people really liked it i mean but who that's extra three days you get to hunt. yeah yeah i know some guys that were like man i'm not fighting the heat which like you said it ended up not being that bad but i, I it was exciting for me and we're actually we're supposed to have William McKinley uh, pop back in for just kind of short, give us an overview of how successful it was. But I imagine we'll, we'll have a repeat season next year just because t- like states like Tennessee have had such good luck with that early season. Right. And then, you know, like I said, if they do it 
next year. I, I don't know if we'll be able to participate or not because we're likely to be up hunting again. If but it's on the 16th of September, we're going to be in we're gonna be listening to an elk bugle, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, just to hit on something else that I've seen and I talk to other people around the state too, but the turkey hatch we seem to have had this year. Mm-hmm. I've been getting turkey pictures like crazy. That Now that i got a lot of fresh disc up ground, you know, yeah. they love that fresh ground. And um, I just was really shocked at the amount of hens and young turkeys i've been seeing yeah and 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 that's consistent across the state everybody i've talked to yeah oh i talked to a guy the other day he doesn't doesn't turkey hunt much i mean at all to any extent and he said he's like yeah i saw some turkeys it was a big one and a whole bunch of little ones little (laughs) ones everywhere i was like well that's good (laughs) and and i guess to those who listen to this that are mainly focused on deer which we are too i don't know we just had to throw the anytime if you're a turkey hunter and you see a, a baby turkey it's a good day Oh yeah. Well, it's like, and I can go off a whole another segue here, but it's the the more that I like look into, the more that my interest grows for habitat and just wildlife in general. You start, I start learning like how much of these things go hand in hand in hand. And uh, I was talking because here's a little bit of a like a precursor, a upcoming spoiler. Like I'm planning to do a an in depth. Uh, episode series on quail in the southeast which if i'm guys listening to this that are solely whitetail guys they might be like "Ah." but i was talking to um a quail biologist a research specialist yesterday kind of prepared doing some preliminary research and he got to talking about how the health healthy quail habitat means healthy turkey habitat and healthy turkey habitat means healthy whitetail habitat and all these things feed off one another and it's it's a it's a much bigger mosaic that works together than than i used to realize when you know when i was little and i just knew plant your food plots deer hunt you know mm-hmm. it's just it's just a growing interest of mine you chipper chipper talks about quail all the time yep and it's <laughs> and it's part of the whitetail game that i like so much and i call it the whitetail game and because you can work on whitetail stuff all year long mm-hmm. not just hunting season like summertime stuff february march burn stuff to create better habitat that just yeah, the main reason is for the for the deer, but then you get beneficial. You get so many benefits on all the animals and birds that call that place home. It's mm-hmm. just it's kind of addicting. Once you start doing it, for me, I want to do it more. I want to see more habitat. I want to see the deer get bigger. I want to see more turkeys. Actually, we thinned some pines we had this year mm-hmm. at our place, and then you know six eight weeks later, goat weed started coming up, took over. Well, up under that goat weed is just dirt. Yeah, quail. Mm-hmm. where'd that quail come from mm-hmm. first quail we ever heard on our place has been i mean it didn't come out of the ground yeah but just to i mean it started thriving and you would hear it every day yeah Could see I, now that's cool yeah. i get excited thinking yeah. about that that's what the guy and like i said i, I don't i don't want to go down the, the quail rabbit hole because i'm so i'm very excited about that episode series i don't know when i have no like timeline of when i'm going to put it out because i'm interviewing a whole bunch of different folks and I told the guy, I said, I'm not in a rush to do it. I'm going to wait till it gets right, and then we'll put it out. But it's so, so interesting to me because that's what the the guy was saying is he was like, man, a lot of folks have written it off as like quail's just a pipe dream. You know, if you want if you want to shoot quail down here, you know, in Mississippi or something, you better go to a you know a release place. There, otherwise, it's just not going to happen. The guy's like, it's possible. It's still possible. Right. Um, we were kudzu last year during uh jimmy and i were turkey hunting 
and um i we we were walking and i took a step and a single quail flushed out from under my feet <laughs> and went and and i got so excited and jimmy was like that's a quail and then i got so excited he's like did you hear a turkey i'm like no that that was a quail that's a, that's where my excitement's coming from <laughs> yeah that's it's it's fun to see all this stuff come together and then you know this is a time of year we're in the first week of october now and we'll probably get these plots planted here you know definitely before the end of the month mm-hmm. but i mean we don't have any rain forecast for the next 10 or 11 days oh it's dry and um at my home place i already planted them and i just people said well, what are you going to do and i said well it's dry as a bone that seed will sit there for weeks mm-hmm. and i got it covered real lightly so biggest risk i have doing it that way or anybody has doing it that way is if we get like a quarter inch of rain it stays cloudy for a couple of days and that seed starts swelling mm-hmm. and then it's dry up under it. yeah and then th- then i'm gonna be in trouble but i planted dry many times in the past and it's it's always been knock on wood pretty good yeah so i've heard you talk about success doing that i've heard of guys that are hesitant to do that because they think that the seed will get roasted by the sun but i mean that's why i mean if you cover it you've always been able to be uh, good with that well a lot of guys say i'm gonna wait till i got rain to forecast for our plant well that's all i'm doing mine's planted i'm waiting for rain (laughs) yeah me too yeah (laughs) and i just we just had between our primos plots here and some other stuff i work on for people it just it's you got to kind of space it out there's no way i could plant you know i told somebody today i'm farming 90 acres in three counties right now about an acre to two acres at a time (laughs) (laughs) so it takes a while to get around on all that moving equipment and that kind of thing i when i had that job in iowa when i was 20 years old my first filming job um uh bill had uh, he ended up killing the deer but it was a, a like a 200 inch whitetail that he'd been chasing for a couple of years and he'd planted his food plot and i, I honestly I, I should remember but i forget what he called the food plot but it was on this ridge and it was this brassica food plot and planted them and then we had a bad bad drought i mean bad enough that's eventually what led to there was a terrible ehd breakout while i was there that year but that food plot is was real close to where that big deer he called him double g4 always hung out and he was just so concerned that that food plot wasn't going to grow it was me and another intern named pat mcsherry we drove out there with a giant like livestock water tank and we were i was walking around watering individual brassica plants with a water hose come on i was <laughs> i see that's good that's taking serious right I there was, <laughs> well, it come up yeah. we watered them though i bet the deer smoked them too oh fast yeah as they would grow oh yeah but i mean they it, it was a uh, manual irrigation if yep. you will <laughs> well in talking about what you plant this might i get a lot of questions just me and my buddies talking and stuff and, and there's so many different blends out there and different things and everybody's got their own preference and i, I like turnips and brassicas we've had great luck on, especially mm-hmm. at cottonmouth yeah but it you know kind of this part of mississippi yeah they, they utilize them but they really don't utilize them until it gets cold so for me i'm trying to do the most i can for the deer and the turkey so i just go i do the lineman i get my ph right and then i get the fertilizer blended based on my soil samples and all i plan is maximum fertilizer wheat and i cover i mix that together mm. spread it cover it and then i come back with some perennial some annual clovers depending on the field yeah and i just go broadcast that right over the top no yeah. cover you could roll it would be a, if you want i never roll it just right on top don't cover that little bitty clover seed at all because it's so little mm-hmm. it don't have much you know 
you get it quarter inch deep it more likely won't come out of the ground yeah that's what we always did when we were planting cottonmouth we'd plant everything else and then we would overseed the yeah. brassicas and clovers and all that because it's so tiny and oats are good you know put oats in there with it and put brassicas in there with it i mean everybody's got their own preference but for mm-hmm. me i want the deer to have the clover come january february all through through may and the turkeys yeah and i'm thinking i plant as much for you know april and may as i am for december january i mean mm-hmm. i got it's equal I'm, I'm trying to do the best i can for both yeah. time frames that makes me think of a question um that i've i've thought of i've seen this float around recently i've so mississippi's uh and a lot of the southeast the baiting laws have changed significantly in the last few years and i've seen guys that ask the question and i want to get your opinion on it is there like with you know my ability to bait on my property now why do i need food plots like do i is is food plot still something i need to invest my time doing if i can just if i can you know bait everything you know that depends on if you want to grow deer or kill deer Hmm. to me i'm more interested in growing them than yeah then i mean i want to shoot the right ones at the right time that's yeah my daughter and i that's what we love to do and you know we'll let a four-year-old 150 inch deer go in mississippi all day long mm-hmm. if it's we know he's four and a half right um but i just think you need that that amount of acres to help carry them through the winter but most of all that clover if done right and f- fertilized and the limes right you know it's you really start seeing it come on in january mm-hmm. february march well those, that's when our deer are need the most you know coming out of the winter coming out of the rut and the nebraska's do good then for a um for a you know a february march till it starts greening up yeah um so i i you, you know you can just go out there and bait but you're just it's legal and, and yeah. look i'm all for anything legal if somebody if that's what they want to do look i'm high-fiving them if they kill a big one with his head under a feeder i'm just happy they had a good time yeah oh yeah that's not i bring that up you know because baiting can still be somewhat of a controversial subject but in this sense it's just a matter of you know some guys asking genuine questions like the, the kind of guy that they've got x amount of weekends or sure. you know that they can do and that's what like is it still worth me investing my time in food plots when i can do it this way which th- my opinion is the same i'm like yeah i think food plot if you're trying to it depends on what your goals are yep. but if it's me i still think food plots are are essential it is and i, I like to plant more than i need yeah because i've from time and time again over the years I, like we got one plot on our place that and we're going to we'll have one here at the new place at primo's if you got the room i want a big plot right in the middle of the property mm. you know like 12 acres yeah and yeah it makes it harder to hunt with a bow and people say well why do you want to make such a big plot you can't really bow hunt that i said look i just want the deer to be comfortable here i want deer come into this spot then i can then as a hunter it's my job to figure out okay they're coming here in the evenings i think they're bedding here now i got a somewhat of a mm-hmm. strategy and then i just want to make them or try to give them somewhere as a place to go at night those big ones is where they spend their yeah. their nights seems like that's why there's always so many scrapes and around it rubs around it because they're there all night yeah and then you know the next morning you think they're on this ridge or this thicket or whatever and you yeah you learn how to trick them cottonmouth was a was the first place i ever saw that in first-hand experience because kudzu because of you know the hills and stuff and the steepness of the terrain we didn't have anywhere we could make those giant food plots they mm-hmm. just we just didn't because of the topography we didn't have it but i remember 
Cottonmouth, like Newground and the Arkansas field and um they just walk so far to go to those big ones yeah well, there was another one what was the other one uh i can't remember the name but we had like three of them that were big big like you could some of them you sat you could sit on one end of them with a rifle and you'd still be like he's too far big food plots but it was but you were right when i mean because we we started doing that those big ones and getting real serious about the food plots when the um when the takeout seed came out yep. started seeing just how crazy of a difference it made i mean we were seeing 40 something deer in the food plots in the afternoons and that's you know we're lucky and, and we had the, the the big place to do that but here's mm-hmm. here's something that i've always gone by and it's it's it kind of hit home for a lot of people probably it did for me you plant like a half acre plot you go sit on it mm-hmm. you might see one deer two deer three deer mm-hmm. you know you're i think this is just my opinion I think there you're feeding the those resident deer, so to speak, in that little area. Uh, they're feeding to that. They'll go to that spot. Yeah. Where you go over here and you plant a five-acre food plot, well, those three deer in that little spot, they may start there early, mm-hmm. like a little kill plot is what I like to call them, and then they may make their way toward that big plot. But point is, half-acre plot, you might see two or three deer. Five-acre plot, you might see 30. Yeah. And I just want those. I want that one spot where they all kind of migrate to. Yeah. Not really migrate, but they all. It's yeah. End, it's a end up magnetic effect. Yep. That's yep. what Doctor Lashley they, they'll, says. They'll walk further. I guess is my point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And that's interesting, and I'm eager to see that because, like I said, again, and it's just the difference of the places. But we didn't have the ability to do that at Kudzu, it so was if just we can too steep. I yeah, mean, you know, we yeah. had some nice plots, but we didn't have any. Well, that, that last year where Troy shot that buck, that that was a, a new little spot we had <laughs> yeah, across yeah, the road, yeah. and it, we had a bigger plot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were seeing more deer there. Yep. To your point. Yep. Yeah, I sure mean, were. we were seeing um, that was a newer place and we didn't we were seeing numbers and food plots there it gave us glimpses of cottonmouth like it 20 just, and 25 yeah. and 30 i remember yeah. when i think there was 20 something deer when troy shot that buck last year and that was like right before thanksgiving or right after yeah i can't remember what it was yeah um but now the plot stuff's fun and we'll be doing that here so that's always a, a good time of year we work on food plots in the mornings because we don't hunt much mornings Mm-mm. october november um, you know, if you have a busy schedule and you only got a couple of days, I can understand people hunting mornings. But my thought is, if if you got a really good deer you're trying to shoot, I definitely wouldn't hunt him in the mornings because it's over food, whether it be an acorn tree or persimmon tree, mm-hmm. food plot, a feed or whatever. And I just think your your risk are too high of spooking him before daylight. Yeah. And I'd rather let him do his own thing naturally in the mornings. No, I can get in there, you know, mid afternoon without busting anything busting anything and yeah. then just because i don't know you get one chance at them and maybe i give them too much credit but oh no we when we uh this is reaching back to the cottonmouth days but when we were still like overly gung-ho there were several times where we're like i'm i'm gonna try it in the morning and i can't tell you how many times to be walking in you hear me like dang it <laughs> and it might not be your target deer but it's a chance it is well it still is pressure that you wish you hadn't put on them you know and you know you now with cameras and and an acorn tree changes every few days typically a new one starts falling they get off of that one and you know if you f- get a deer coming to a spot and you you wind's right and you can get there i mean man if i'd rather hunt him one afternoon than i would 10 mornings yeah and i always tell guys because i've spoke to i'm sure you have too i spoke to several guys that are like man saturdays are my day to hunt and i just love going in the mornings i'm like fair enough uh 
don't hunt a food source more if you can help it and don't hunt your best spot and they don't travel that much that time of year so yeah. they're t- you know they're they're usually bedded pretty tight in where they're feeding yeah Depending especially if, especially if someone's feeding mm-hmm. if there's like a feeder nearby mm-hmm. you guarantee this early in the season that buck's not that far yep. if he's coming to it you know so that's what i think uh what was the other thing oh 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 oh, oh. um we were talking to a guy about he was talking about like trying to pick i guess like if he has so many days you know going back to the guy this guy reached out to us and he's a you know weekend warrior true and true and he's trying he was like what do i do if you know i've got this deer and he's showing up pretty consistently and he's trying basically the dude's trying to force the issue you know he's like i you know look at the wind calendar whatever and he's not you know basically he's like he's coming to this stand but the wind's not great what i do you know man i i remember when we used to travel all over the country kansas illinois iowa wherever we would push the issue sometimes because you're there for four five six days you mm-hmm. kind of got a time's running out and i get it we've done it mm-hmm. but man you'll never beat them when you do that no <laughs> you got to try sometimes um but that, i mean you got things like ozonics and you got things that that definitely help give up your odds on tricking them in certain situations but man day in and day out i just don't believe in especially if you got if you put that much work into a spot mm-hmm. man i just would i would just try it every every way not to go in there with it wrong and i bring that qu- it, it's it's uncanny it's like every year we we get somebody reaches out to us with a situation almost identical to that and it, it, you know and they could be in a hunting camp and if, and if they don't go hunt it somebody else might so i you know competition every situation is, yeah different. competition's yeah. normally a factor the 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 example that i fall back on this is probably at least three years ago but it was through the podcast someone because i'm telling you it happens every year usually this time of year because folks are getting you know if you got trail cameras out you got pictures of these big deer they're usually nocturnal and if they're in a camp or if they're hunting small acreage with neighbors they're just so concerned somebody else is going to kill him i get it you know and we gave the guy the same answer they're like if you can hold off you know maybe don't go hunt that number one stand maybe hunt somewhere nearby where you can get the wind right the guy ended up killing the deer awesome and he waited he ended up killing he ended up killing him out of the target that you know the stand that he was trying to kill him out of but i think he had to wait like two or three weekends but the wind was right finally gotcha. and it happened for him and that's i mean that's what we try to do every time mm-hmm. um now granted we have more time to hunt you know doing this primo stuff a few days during yeah. the week and weekends or whatever um but god you just work so hard trying to figure them out and now that everybody's got older deer it's just mm-hmm. it's not like it was you know as kids it wasn't about it what a Oh man, I shot eight points this weekend. It didn't matter, <laughs> didn't matter how old he was, didn't matter what he scored, how much he weighed, but it was eight point. Then if you killed a ten point, you going back. Man, yeah. I got a ten point this weekend. And if you, you know? got <laughs> it now, and if you got any sort of uh, measurement, if you if someone said I killed a sixteen inch eight point, that meant he had sixteen inch spread. Mm-hmm. That's what they always say. Like yeah, I killed an eighteen inch ten point. Like oh man, that's a good one. But you know, even at clubs and and people are really paying attention to deer and aging mm-hmm. deer here more and more and deer are growing and I, i've in the last several years i've had a lot of 
seen a lot of comments on social media stuff where people are like, man, I didn't know Mississippi had deer like that. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we can't compete with Iowa as no. far as the numbers or Kansas as far as the numbers, but you know, top end, we, we're growing some really nice bucks in Mississippi now. A hundred percent. The mm-hmm. whole, the whole, it's been a mindset change, an attitude change, so to speak. We were, we were shooting porch scenes this morning and uh, we were talking about deer dogs you know yeah. that used to be a lot even when i was younger that still used to be a big big thing and there's, there's still some pockets in mississippi where you where there's folks that do that but now it's it's a whole lot more angled towards age structure and management and it, it's it's way different than what well, it was dude, that was fun you know you don't have a deer drive or have dogs or do, do a, a, a man drive you know everybody mm-hmm. gets on stands and then yeah. map out of areas these people get here and Man, that was a good old days. I love doing that. I oh, would love yeah. to go back and do that some more. Oh yeah, I have nothing against it. It's just it, you've seen it's been a it's been a big it's been a shift, like you said, even in clubs and stuff. Which um, this next point that I'm excited to I'm excited to show everybody this season, uh, which I'm obviously I'm a little bit biased because I work for All Next, but this is something you know we, you were talking a few weeks ago. Like I'd have something on my phone and on my map, and you'd want me to share it with yours. Well there's a there's something you can do now that is i think is extremely helpful to somebody in uh, a hunting camp situation a lease situation uh even if it's somebody's own property and they have a you know a friend of theirs coming to hunt they've never been out there before so like i could take this place like when we're planting it when we're hunting it i can map it out like i normally would i can put all the roads in there i can put in all the food plots the stands the cameras feed trees all that stuff I can take all that content for this particular property, all that. I can, all the road systems, all that stuff I just listed, I can put it all that in a folder and I can share that to somebody. So like if somebody, if uh, Jimmy's coming out here for the first time this year, Will's coming out here for the first time this year, I can send them that whole folder and it pops up on their map and they have the whole thing. It's just like what is on your phone that you've created. It it just automatically puts the boundaries, the roads, stands, the whole thing. So it just mirrors what you've done on yours Mm -hmm. and it shows up on like on my yeah my app on my phone or like so like the the area shape tool which is normally what we do to to map out food plots like let's say you and i are planting and i've already mapped out all these food plots right i can share them with you and you can see not only can you see where the food plots are you can see all the acreages and all that stuff and it's all the the other side to that is like if you say we have a a tree stand that's a it's an acorn tree it's fallen really good and there's a buck coming in there but you have to access it through this ditch otherwise you're walking right through the deer you can track that way through there and i could share that with somebody and they can know which way to go without having somebody show them mm-hmm. so come turkey season i'm gonna need to be get a map from you because i know you mark gobbles and stuff so <laughs> i can that's a, well that's the other thing too is so when we were, you first, were trying to throw me off i know what no, no, no no so one of the things is like uh you don't have to share every, so like that we were we were talking to a guy about this the other day and he was like well my whole property's mapped out. Some of these spots are like my little honey holes. I don't want to share that. It was like, you don't have to share all of them. Like you can pick and choose what you share. Uh-huh. So like if there's a, a swamp chestnut tree that I don't want Jimmy knowing anything about, I don't have to share that with him, but I can share him the road systems and all the food plots. He can know where those are. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's pretty cool because it it's, 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 it's definitely something that is a, it's, it's very 
very powerful tool for someone in a hunting camp or a lease situation you know where you got multiple hunters and one of the big one thing i enjoy like yesterday i was walking around on a piece of property had had the onyx pulled up and i'm looking at the parcels and the boundary lines and i'm thinking the boundary line is here but then i i pull it up and you know it was actually because it wasn't marked Mm -hmm. but it was actually another 30 yards 40 yards further to the west from where i thought it was Mm -hmm. and i did end up going over there and finding some old flag and i just assumed that was it yeah i mean real old Mm -hmm. so but it just kind of i don't want to put be on nobody else's land right and and it's just it really is a great tool when it comes to learning a place you can do it so much faster than we used to oh yeah yeah it's huge and like i said i'm excited about that especially like it's it's a it's an opportunity for me to to show y'all especially that new map building feature and be able to share it with everybody and y'all see how useful it is well once we get here and you start mapping this place out we need we're gonna need a Mm-hmm. We all need that. That'll help everybody. Yeah, I mean, think of if some some guy, if, if David Holder, he was with us in elk camp. Let's just say David Holder comes down here to deer hunt with us. I share that with David. Boom, he's got everything I've got. And you can mark a deer stand. You can walk in there in the black dark and never mm-hmm. turn the light on. It'll take you right to the exactly. Tree. That's that, pretty pretty sharp. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So, well, we've rambled, covered a lot of good stuff think we can wrap this one up man the next two or three weeks we'll be planting plots and we'll hopefully have some um get some stands hung and Mm -hmm. and start having some new place success until we get it named a new place yeah until we find (laughs) something we may name it a new place until yeah a new place until (laughs) then that's what it's called it's a substitute name yeah all right guys well uh we're gonna hop off i hope you all enjoyed the conversation as always if you have any questions topics any of that stuff you can email primos hunting podcast at gmail.com or you can message me on instagram it's just at lake pickle and pretty easy to find or the primos hunting page um and see you then thank you all for listening to the speak the language podcast presented by onyx hunt